Good evening. Our top story tonight, Ramondre Stevenson. We've been starting to hear some talk that the Patriots are looking for a third down back, that maybe it's Ty Montgomery. And Ramondre Stevenson's not actually fully practicing right now, so we're seeing more from Pierre Strong. We're seeing more from Kevin Harris. James Robinson, they signed. Might not make the roster. I'm not fully confident in that. But there's a whole lot going on in this New England backfield. We're going to break it all down on player profiler today. And yes, the Harry Snowman is correct. We are live today. I know it's been some time since I have gone live. Needed some time to get back fully into a headspace where I could be live chatting with all of you. But I really did miss all of you. I am so thankful that you turned in while I was pre-recording. And I love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being so great. Such we truly at Player Profiler have the greatest audience that there is. And we have the greatest information that there is at Player Profiler as well, starting with Ramondre Stevenson. Now, we do have some updates on the Patriots offense in general. Mike Gusecki. Mike Gusecki is working with the wide receivers when it comes to the run blocking time. So when the tight ends join the offensive line to work on the run game, Mike Gusecki goes and hangs out with the wide receiver and works on drills. It's looking like Mike Gusecki is going to be the true flex player that we wanted Jonu Smith to be more of a slot receiver. And I know, I know we say this with every tight end and most of the time it's not true. It wasn't true with Jonu Smith, but it really does sound like Mike Gusecki is going to be treated more as a wide receiver than a tight end. So keep an eye on that. I've said before, he really, based on athleticism, size, all of that, Mike Gusecki is pretty comparable to Devontae Parker as an ex-receiver. So I actually won't be all that surprised if we see some of that. And that is a bad thing for Ramondre Stevenson because there are more weapons than there were last year. Ramondre Stevenson was part of a two-person offense. It was Jacoby Myers and Ramondre Stevenson, and that was it. Kendrick Bourne was in the doghouse. Devontae Parker had a concussion, wasn't overly effective before that. Mike Gusecki wasn't there. Hunter Henry was great in the red zone, but that was really all they used him to was, hey, we're, we need a touchdown here. Throw it to the big guy, but we don't really have plays designed for him. And also, Jonu Smith. We know Jonu Smith wasn't used at all. This year, they have a real offense. They have a real offensive coordinator. So, they could have used Kendrick Bourne, Devontae Parker, Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry. I am not saying these are bad football players. They are all average, middle-of-the-road, replacement-level players, but they're all fine. If you are scheming them open. You are using route combinations, but that's just not something that happened under Matt Patricia with the New England Patriots last year. And that will be different. That will be very different with Bill O'Brien. He is a real offensive coordinator. He actually knows what he is doing. So 
We're going to see a real passing offense. We're going to see a real play action offense. This is something that they highlighted last year. There was no play action game for the Patriots because Matt Patricia started with one playbook, realized, okay, I did not do a good enough job teaching these guys this new playbook. Let's go back to the old playbook of Josh McDaniels. Oh, but we haven't practiced any of these plays, so we can't run any of them. What a mess it was. It's going to be a lot tidier in 2023 with Bill O'Brien, and we will hear more about that and hear more from you right after this little word from the Podfather. Now, as we at Player Profiler have become a full-blown machine learning company, the crowning achievement has to be the injury finder. We're now taking BMI data and injury history data and assigning a probability that a player is injured on any given touch. And not only can you see a player's fragility rating, their injury risk, we also have analysis from professional physical therapists breaking down all the major players that underwent surgery last year and what their rehabilitation looks like heading into 2023. There's a tool to compare players. There's a database where you can say, show me all the foot injuries, show me all the severe injuries, show me all the injuries requiring surgery. It provides you the key market intelligence to know what is the difference in probability that player X versus player Y will miss games this year. It's great for fantasy football, and it also just satisfies your curiosity as a fan. Go to the App Store, go to Google Play, download it. It's five bucks every year just to reload the latest injury predictions and fragility ratings. The 2023 data is live now. Open your phone and get smarter. We absolutely love the Injury Finder, and we love all of you. Jared Dean, happy to have you on the show here. Toronto Dave, it is always a pleasure. Same with Dustin Brown. Same with Disco Stu BC. Love all of you out there, including the people who aren't in the comments. Just know that I still see you. I still appreciate you. You are all fantastic. Sounding like Dalvin may land in Miami. Does that make Dalvin more valuable or does that drop him down in your opinion? Absolutely drops him down. Dalvin Cook will not be a bell cow in Miami. I also, I don't know if I believe he's going to Miami. I know there's all of that steam. Feels as though we're at the point where it's too obvious that Dalvin Cook would go to the Dolphins. I just, I think it's going to be somewhere else. They have Devon A-Chain, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson. They have three guys that are going to get opportunities. And... If they land Dalvin Cook, they're still going to mix those guys in for certain situations, certain downs and distances and all that jazz. So definitely moves him down. He's not going to be a bell cow. No matter where Dalvin Cook goes, he's not going to be a bell cow like he was in Minnesota. He's going to have to share more than he used to. (laughs) The podfather is the devil and Jack is the angel on the shoulder. I will say podfather is absolutely an angel. Podfather has been unbelievably supportive of me uh, when I needed a minute off or a couple days off. Very first thing it was, Hey, we are here to support you. We have you. Can I run the show for you tonight? Are you okay with me running the show? And just the support I've received from the Podfather and this entire company, they are absolutely all angels, despite the Podfather getting a little devilish in the rhetoric and in, in the comment, not the comments, but, He's, he's got some devilish takes, and that's why we love the pod, Father. But I am here. I'm just here. Happy to have Blake on the show as well. Appreciate you tuning in. Think Elliot fits best with the Chargers. Fournette feels like a Bengal also. I've said Elliot or Fournette to the Bengals would make sense. Both 
are good in the. I don't want to say they're good in the third down. They both are, or at least Fournette is, but as third down backs, they can pass block. Ezekiel Elliott is still one of the best pass blocking running backs in the NFL. And that's something Joe Mixon can't do at all. Mixon's a better receiving back than both Fournette and Elliott. But when can we start? When can we start taking this hilarious player hype seriously? Well, no, this is actually the thing with Ramondre Stevenson. And we've still got some time before we truly establish that (laughs) when the hype actually starts to matter. But with Ramondre Stevenson last year saw 63.1% of the opportunity, 65.1% of the snaps, 17th in the NFL in carries, but third in the NFL in targets among running backs. So Ramondre Stevenson was a bell cow. He crushed it in opportunities. 0.83 fantasy points per opportunity. That is 24th among running backs. So he was, and part of that is the offense, right? The offense was inefficient. They weren't around the goal line as much as they could have been. But Ramondre Stevenson is a damn talented running back. There is no arguing that. 4.6 true yards per carry. That is 18th in the NFL. 5.2 yards per touch. That is 17th. And then the elusiveness. Third in evaded tackles, third in juke rate, seventh in yards created, sixth in yards created per touch. Ramondre Stevenson can get it done with the ball in his hands. He can make people miss. And he showed with the work he did in the receiving game that there is nothing wrong with making Ramondre Stevenson a bell cow featuring him in your offense. It is going to do good things. The problem, or at least the worry with Ramondre Stevenson is, will that continue? Because we saw towards the end of the year, injuries started to catch up with him. He's not practicing right now. He's still taking some time limited at practice. And that's okay. That's nothing to worry about. But Ramondre Stevenson wore down at the end of the season. His efficiency started to drop. And part of that is like we talked about earlier. This offense was Ramondre Stevenson, Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers, Ramondre Stevenson. Just get it to one of them. Get it to one of them. Check it down dump it off, or huck it deep occasionally. But that was the entire offense. And it worked as best as it could. It got them through a sticky situation, but it wasn't ideal. And over the course of Bill Belichick's history, it has always been some sort of a split. Damian Harris in 2021, he played 34% of the snaps, 48% of the opportunity. In 2020, Damian Harris, 40% of the snaps, 48.5% of the opportunity. That is committee back numbers. In 2021, it was a committee with Ramondre Stevenson and Brandon Bolden. In 2020, it was a committee with James White and Rex Burkhead alongside Damian Harris. Back in 2019, Sony Michelle led the team in rushing, but he only played 38% of the snaps. James White outsnapped Sony Michelle. He was on the field more. James White had some great fantasy value. 2018, Sony Michelle again led the team in rushing. Again, James White. Saw the field plenty. Rex Burkhead saw the field plenty. 2017, Dion Lewis led the team in rushing, but James White had a role. Rex Burkhead had a role. And even Mike Gillisley, if you remember him, had a role. 2016, LeGarrette Blunt, James White, Dion Lewis all had roles for the Patriots. 2015, LeGarrette Blunt, Dion Lewis, James White, and also Brandon Bolden had roles for the New England Patriots. And before that, look at the pairs that the Patriots have had. Steven Ridley and Shane Vereen. Danny Woodhead and Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis. Lawrence Maroney and Kevin Falk. 
Bill Belichick loves his committee. And I don't think we're gonna ever going to see a point where it goes back to a committee where Ramondre is only getting sub 50% of the snaps and sub 50% of the opportunity. But I think we're going to see that drop from a 65% snap share to 55-ish, 60%. We're going to see Ty Montgomery more than we want. He got hurt early last year, as the Harry Snowman pointed out. Very early in the season, Ty Montgomery went down, but it was supposed to be Ramondre and Damian Harris and Ty Montgomery all having roles. Now, Ty Montgomery's back, he's healthy, and he's getting the first crack at that third down back. Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris with Ramondre Stevenson banged up, they are getting more work with the first team offense. James Robinson is a quality running back in the NFL. He's not a starter. He's not going to beat out Ramondre Stevenson. He might not even make the team, but he can get touches. And if he can, Bill Belichick will probably give him touches. We are probably going to see Ty Montgomery, Pierre Strong, and Ramondre Stevenson all used on the same day. It's going to happen some weeks. So while I still love Ramondre Stevenson, I'm still okay with having him as an RB1. We have him as RB9 currently on Player Profiler. I think I'd rather have Josh Jacobs. I think I'd rather have Najee Harris. And then after that, we've got Brees Hall, Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, Ken Walker, Travis Etienne, Jameer Gibbs. I might put Joe Mixon ahead of Ramondre, but even then, that moves Ramondre from RB9 to RB12. So he's still an RB1. But is anyone surprised if Brees Hall comes back early, is healthy, and beats him out? Aaron Jones has a heavy receiving workload. Ken Walker leads the league in rushing, as the podfather said, potentially. Jameer Gibbs ends up having a heavy target load. No, you're not surprised by any of this. So yes, I believe Ramondre Stevenson is and should be ranked as an RB1. There is not as much certainty as I once hoped immediately after the draft. It's it's just little whispers, and maybe Ramondre Stevenson just vanquishes Ty Montgomery, Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris. Maybe that happens, but I think the Patriots really want to use less of him to save him for the future, keep him healthier longer, and more efficient in the playoffs, which is going to hurt in fantasy. The upside is this is going to be a real offense finally. So that's the balance of Ramondre Stevenson. More efficient, probably more touchdowns, probably less work. Still an RB1. And if you want to draft Ramondre Stevenson, you can go ahead and do it over at the FFPC. You know, people always ask me, hey, what is the, the World Series of Fantasy or the Super Bowl of Fantasy Football? And it's easy. It's the FFPC, the Fantasy Football Players Championship. It's a $6 million prize pool. And they've had their never-too-early best ball leagues cranking since February. And so the FFPC is the answer to so many questions. Hey, hey, where's the best place to get a dynasty orphan? Well, you can adopt a dynasty orphan at the FFPC. That's why we partner with them. If you want to play fantasy football for low, medium, high stakes, seasonal, best ball, dynasty, go to the FFPC. 
And don't forget, promo code UNDERWORLD to get you $25 off your first team. $25 off your first team, no matter what team it is, no matter what format it is, at the FFPC. Go do it. Go sign up at the FFPC. Make sure you hit that like button. Nope, I am absolutely not out. Did the ad have audio? It did for me once again. So I know there was an ad a little while ago that had no sound. I don't know. StreamYard has been a whole thing lately. But anyways, moving on from Ramondre Stevenson, we have not a whole lot of rookie updates. Again, it's the weekend. There's not a lot of news breaking, but I am still here to cover it all. CJ Stroud gave his top five quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't think it was in order, but he did say Jalen Hurts first, and I'm all right with that. Jalen Hurts alpha in the NFL. I still prefer Joe Burrow, who he had on the list as well. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Justin Fields. Yes, Justin Fields was on the top five quarterback list for C.J. Stroud. And you have to think, they both played at Ohio State. This is the connection there. Says he likes Lamar Jackson as well. I'm sure if someone brought up Trevor Lawrence, he'd have him there. Possibly Justin Herbert. The point is there are a lot of great quarterbacks in the NFL. C.J. Stroud is hoping to become one of them, as is Anthony Richardson, as is Bryce Young. Any chance on Hopkins to Houston? Yes, absolutely there is. DeAndre Hopkins already met with the Houston Texans. He lives in Houston, got a house there. That's where his setup, base camp, whatever you want to call it, that is, I'm sure he has multiple houses and is willing to buy another house wherever he lands, but I believe Houston is home for DeAndre Hopkins, given that's where he was drafted and he spent a lot of time there, and Houston's a beautiful city by all accounts. And he's already visited. While he was home, he visited the Houston Texans. He's already admitted that he likes C.J. Stroud, sees a lot in him. So yeah, there is a real chance, especially there was some beef between D'Amico Ryan and the Houston Texans. Remember? D'Amico Ryan sued them. There was all this talk. Well, you know, he settled with the turf company and it wasn't really the Houston Texans fault, but is there a little bit of bitterness there? Because they did trade D'Amico Ryan's and then he tore his ACL in his revenge game and they managed to mend those bridges without Bill O'Brien. Could the Houston Texans mend those bridges with DeAndre Hopkins as well? I also quite like Dalton Schultz, especially if they don't add DeAndre Hopkins. We've seen that the Houston Texans last year, they were willing to pass the ball to their tight end. They didn't really have any options at wide receiver, but they don't this year either. And it's a different staff. Staff comes over from the 49ers, who, granted, had George Kittle, who's better than Dalton Schultz, but they use their tight end quite a bit in San Fran. I think it's going to be just fine for Dalton Schultz. He's currently the tight end 12-ish, 13-ish. Won't be surprised at all if he beats that. Can't find any news on Marvin Mims. It's been a little bit quiet for Marvin Mims over the past couple days. He's looked really good in practice. We love him. He's getting some hype. He's going to have kind of the Ted Ginn role where he's a situational speedster for year one. He's going to be on punt returns as well. But as he as the season goes on, as he gets comfortable with the Broncos, he'll beat out Cortland Sutton. He'll beat out Tim Patrick. This is something that is going to happen sooner rather than later. Broncos in general, kind of quiet right now. Really, the only news we've heard is that Marvin Mims, he's looked really good. 
haven't really heard a whole lot outside of that, I, to be honest. Moving on to contracts around the NFL, we have a couple updates. First of all, Trayvon Diggs is in talks with the Dallas Cowboys on an extension. He is currently set to make $4.3 million in the final year of his deal. But Trayvon Diggs is worth a hell of a lot more than that. You look at the upper echelon of cornerbacks in the NFL. It starts with Tredavious White at 17 and a quarter million. Then it bumps up to 18 million for Xavier Howard at six. And then in the top five, Marshawn Lattimore and Marlon Humphrey make about $19.5 million each. Jalen Ramsey at three just signed his new deal, making $20 million. Denzel Ward for the Cleveland Browns making $20.1 million. And Jair Alexander making $21 million. So given all that, I have to imagine the price tag starts at $20 million. I can't imagine Trayvon Diggs is going to want a contract less than Marlon Humphrey. And given Denzel Ward making $20.1 million, great corner, deserves his money. But in Cleveland, Denzel Ward doesn't get the hype and the press that he might deserve. So I won't be surprised to see Trayvon Diggs break that. He could become the highest paid corner in the NFL very, very soon. And another contract update. This one was kind of the opposite of what I expect from Trayvon Diggs. Ed Oliver. Signs for the cheap with the Buffalo Bills. Four years, $68 million. That's $45 million guaranteed with $17 million per year. That is tied for 13th at defensive tackle with Eric Armstead. That's behind Draymond Jones, Kenny Clark, and Vita Vea, who are all making less than $18 million per year. I'm surprised that Ed Oliver signed for less than Draymond Jones, given that he still has the fifth year of his deal to play through and could make more money. Jonathan Allen making $18 million. Chris Jones making 20. Javon Hargrave, Leonard for Leonard Williams and DeForest Buckner all making 21 million. We saw Deron Payne and Dexter Lawrence sign for 22 and a half million. Jeff Simmons, the second highest paid defensive tackle in the NFL at 23 and a half. And then of course, Aaron Donald, the goat making $31.6 million highest paid defensive player period deserves it. No one's touching that, but I definitely thought Ed Oliver would sign for more than Jonathan Allen, more than Draymond Jones, more than Kenny Clark and Vita Vea, but I don't know. Maybe the Buffalo Bills were honest about their situation, and maybe Ed Oliver's just happy to be there. I'm I'm surprised by this, but steal by the Buffalo Bills. What a great job getting this deal done early and for cheap, going to free up some cap space for the Buffalo Bills, and maybe, maybe they free up some cap space for DeAndre Hopkins. Just maybe. That'll round out the news here with Zamir White and the Las Vegas Raiders. He has cut some weight. He has added some speed, which is crazy, because Zamir White was already running 4'4 at 215 plus pounds. So he's lost a little bit of weight, gaining some speed, probably gaining some muscle as well. Unfortunate that Zamir White probably not going to see the whole field a whole lot. Josh Jacobs, I still expect to be a bell cow. But hey, if anything happens to Josh Jacobs, Zamir White looking to be better than he was last year. Sam Howell is our final story of the night. Apparently, Sam Howell is taking the bull by the horns. He is ready to lead this offense throughout the offseason. Terry McLaurin has bought in to Sam Howell. Eric Bieniemy. Sounds to have bought in to Sam Howell. At every point, 
we are hearing that the commanders are committed to Sam Howell, that they are interested, that he has met expectations. It could all fall apart once we hit the field, but Sam Howell very well could be the starting quarterback of the commanders entering 2024 as well. Hey, you like that video? Be sure to subscribe and activate those alerts so you get notified as soon as new videos drop. And be sure to check out playerprofiler.com. We have all the tools for you to dominate every type of fantasy league. We have a draft kit, Dynasty Deluxe, Data Analysis, DFS Dominator, and don't forget the player rankings to rule them all.